What is up, motherfuckers? Uh, my guest this week. <clears throat> what is up, motherfuckers? Uh, welcome to episode 57 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. My guest this week was an old hometown friend. We used to work together in a now bulldozed bowling alley in Maidenhead. It was the site of much debauchery. And uh, while he cut his teeth as a technician and went on to a 20-year career in manufacturing and engineering, I, I left to treat my body like an amusement park for my 20s and early 30s. So I guess he, <laughs> he took a much smarter route out of the bowling alley than I did. Uh, we both share a passion for speaking about politics and social issues, though. And I don't know, I thought it'd be good to catch up with him uh, over a beer, you know, discuss fatherhood, careers, opportunity, and yes, also that fucking bowling alley. Um, in fact, there's a part of me that wishes we'd just spent the whole hour reminiscing about the scandalous shit that went on in that place. You could fill two box set seasons with all the drama that went on. I have no doubt about that. Netflix, call me. Um, anyway, with that in mind, please welcome an old friend and my first in-person guest for the potty, Mr. Ryan Bennett. Yeah, like for a Saturday job, it was sort of, I, I mean, I didn't, I don't know how much I can compare this to other people's Saturday jobs, but in my experience, like I worked in a, a couple of supermarkets before that and I worked at a fairground. Uh, and then after I left the bowl, I worked in like sales support. In, but, but then I suppose that was a bit more careery by that point. But um, but my my take on working in that bowling alley was that it was actually like a fun place to work. Whereas some of my friends who didn't work in the bowling yeah, com- alley, completely, completely, they were like, "Oh, I fucking hate my job. Oh, my boss is such a dick." <laughs> yeah, Whereas yeah. people who worked at the bowl yeah, were just this like, is, oh. "This is sixteen year old." So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it was just, I don't know, it's like a fun place. It's like going into, like, I'll tell you the void that it fills for some people, I think, is like when you go to uni, yes, you meet some friends for life. You make and you, friends, you drink, you go shagging. Yeah, yeah, house share, yeah, all that stuff. And that's kind of, like, I went to uni. I'm but talking I, about shagging quite a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, when you get, when you're a dad and you're, <laughs> it's like. Things slow down a little bit. Yeah, we're like reliving past glory. That's really what this episode will be about is, uh, <laughs> Reliving past glories of uh, Maidenhead and uh, the Hobgoblin pub. Mm. Okay, here's a slightly deep question for you. Go for it. So you mentioned uh, that rather than thinking about, like, you know, what's going to be a rewarding and fulfilling career, Mm. but it did kind of give you this footing to get into manufacturing. But yet for other people who worked in, who were engineers in the back of the bowling alley, Mm. did not go on to a 20-year career in manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is different about those two types of personalities? Um, I don't know. So it was, for me, part of it, I was slightly fortunate in that um, I'd seen an advert in the paper for uh, apprenticeships at the... It's like another era, isn't it? Like adverts in the paper. Adverts in the paper, exactly. We're such old bastards. There's young people listening to this right now going, what the fuck's a newspaper? Yeah. Yeah. Ad, uh, you had to go and read in a paper. You didn't get a notification. In, in, the, in the local rag, yep. there, there was an advert for uh, their advertising apprenticeships, um, which, strangely enough, are back in fashion again. Yeah, uh, they weren't. They weren't really at the time. Um, so I, apl- I applied for apprenticeship, and I went. I went through that, but based on the experience that I already had, they said it'd probably be a waste of time. You're doing an apprenticeship. Yeah, we'll just offer you a, a job in the factory instead. Okay. So, um, 
I, I came out of that slightly better, but that was uh, not through any um, skill of my own. That was just based on what I was doing currently. Yeah. The, the skill set that I had um, and having somebody that saw something in me when they interviewed me and said, yeah, this, this guy's going to be all right. 21 years later, I'm still there. So yeah, uh, that, that person uh, must have seen something but I wanted to do something I I had some sort of desire to find a job in a career that something that was going to last me a long time I didn't yeah. know, sort of want to be skipping from one job to another um, and that was something that appealed to me is that something that you did you have that though like in your early 20s or was that something like your parents were like no you need a career you so need a um, my parents never put any pressure on me at all um, to Essentially, you know, find find a well-paid career or something, you know something lucrative. They were, um, yeah. again, quite fortunate from that. And so, you know, my youngest sister, and you know what she does. So mm. they were very, um, uh, you know, sort of free with us to be able to sort of choose our own way in life. Um, so I, I feel quite fortunate about that. It's definitely something that I wanted to do. I wanted to yeah. get myself something stable. Wanted to be independent. Mm. I wanted to, you know, get myself uh, moved out, uh, have my own place, and yeah, uh, and do that sort of independence. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think that's probably something in my nature as well, and that I am quite independent. Mm. I'm in the early forties now, but I've always been pretty independent and all right on my own. Um, so, yeah, something probably that I sort of wanted to do, and finding this job gave me the kind of ability to be able to do that reasonably early in, in yeah because it's quite it, like it was quite early I, I remember you leaving the bowl mm. uh and and then i think after so you left when i was about 20 i think yeah it would have been about that yeah because we're like the same age so. yeah and then but so whilst you made that leap into your career job yes into this new employer yeah I've, and you've I've been there for 20 in, years fell into it yeah. right but it's so you okay so yeah there's yeah. there's a slight difference there in terms of my perspective of, yes. of what you did and yeah. what you pursued but still i think like okay so you made that move when i was 20 and then i fucked around for another like yeah, yeah. 15 years but after that i i don't know aid many people our age that didn't fuck yeah. around when they were in their early 20s because who the fuck walks out of school uh, the local comprehensive which mm. is you know where, where we didn't send the same school went to different schools together but um who walks out at 16 or 18 years old and says this is my chosen career path and yeah. they, and they walk into a job and then they do that job for the rest of their life it just doesn't happen these no. days it's just not a thing so it's different to like the 1970s 1980s when kids left school at 16 and say, I want to be a welder, <laughs> and they just uh, they just work as a welder for the next forty five years uh, yeah. until their eyes burn out of their skull, and then they fall down dead. That's pretty much what happened to um, large, huge swathes of people. Yeah, and and now the world is a very, very different place. Right? In just forty years, it's it's moved on a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so what you're alluding to there is our sort of like our parents and our grandparents' generation. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's so my my dad's situation was slightly different in that. So he he slogged away to try to get into media, like mm -hmm. broadcasting work, for a while. Notoriously difficult to get into, anyway. Yeah, well, he went through like the newspaper route, 
and uh, uh, and succeeded. Like he ended up moving into radio journalism, and at his peak, he was working at like Radio Two. But it's mm. like it's so it was like a 30 40 year career yes but it was job hoppy like yes it was, yes it was the, the same or similar work but for different yeah yeah but, but to, to be honest aid that is how things are for younger people now yeah so they, they they will they will get into a job they will do that job for maybe two to three years and then they have to job hop in order to increase their income because if you're staying loyal to one employer yeah. yeah, like you really get nowhere these days. You, you know, you're not, you're not. They're not. They don't say to you here. I have a ten percent pay rise every year for your, for your, as a reward for your loyalty. For, yeah, for staying and doing the same job. It just doesn't happen. So they give you, you isn't to, it like, like the cliche is that you work work somewhere for like 10, 15, 30 years or so, and then they give you like a cheap Argos they get, watch. And they're like, Thanks for your yeah. service, Elizabeth Duke. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Or a tie. You get a, yeah, a polyester tie. Is, yeah. Or a hug, yeah. just a hug, just a, Get a uh, just a hug and a card. Yeah, thirty uh, seconds on the podium. Yeah, at the, like the yeah. end of year awards. Yeah, and have a have a week's wages as a bonus. Uh, yeah, for your service. Yeah, so that is, and quite rightly so. We've uh, we've in- increased expectations of our of the, the you know the younger generation, Gen Z. Mm. They have higher expectations. They don't want to leave school at sixteen or eighteen and just be a van driver for the rest of their life. Mm. They see that now as a side hustle. Mm. But I want a main career, and then I can drive a van or you know deliver for Deliveroo, Uber Eats, whatever mm. on the side in the evenings, on the weekends, and make a bit of extra cash. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a career choice like it was forty years ago. Um, they say, well, I want to be a computer programmer. I want to get into financial mm. technology. Uh, I can, and that's how I can really get on in life, and I can do something that's gonna really benefit me. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, actually. I mean, in terms of the, the opportunity, to, opportunity, sorry, to earn significant financial security levels of money, it's never been easier for younger and Those younger jobs people are out there. Yeah, like if you, um, like I, I always talk about like teaching my son how to code like he's five now so i think in another year i'll start him on like the little courses that basically yeah, i can do I those ones on. where you put the blocks in exactly yeah, just, like, yeah yeah <clears throat> i mean this is stuff that i learned when i was 35 because yeah. you have to yeah, start yeah, with yeah. the basics right but yeah it, i mean it was humiliating for me because it would just be like pulling like a little bubbly if That's statement right. in yeah, and yeah, yeah. move this one over yeah, there yeah, and yeah. then and then like a happy hedgehog like sings to you That's right. that's your reward for doing the coding but <laughs> for him obviously this would be fun uh, uh sure but in if like if you start a child off at like six learning that stuff, mm-hmm. it's totally possible that they could be earning money like um, like they, day they rate contractor. They can, they by can have a six figure salary uh, yeah. in their early twenties. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like I've, yeah. I mean, I worked with a guy at Sky. He was about twenty, and he had already worked around the world as a contractor. Uh, and yeah. he, he, I mean, morally, I don't know how I feel about this, but he was talking <laughs> at. It like within the office about how he's setting up like um what's it called like offshore yeah like yeah. A, a system of shell companies That's or something right. yeah yeah and, and you just move the money around to avoid any pain. yeah tax, like, tax avoidance so something not, along those lines yeah, like not, i remember not, him, not tax evasion no avoidance i mean that's not i don't think that's legal either <laughs> morally yes yeah yeah but i remember thinking like what the, like he's just talking about this like freely openly and he was yeah, like tw- yeah. like to me i was 35 this was one of my first like placements as a yeah. sort of you know junior apprentice programmer yep. 
and I was just thinking this he's a kid wow, and he's you yeah. know and he's probably old he's like long in the tooth in terms of like some of yeah. the kids who yeah, yeah. they you know they start off messing around with their dad who's a programmer and then by the time they're like 18 they're whiz kids on yeah. Java and they go and work in a bank and yeah. um, so I, I read online just this week uh, a young lad uh, he was 20 years old mm. and he'd been taken on by a, uh, an unnamed company as a crypto expert yeah, for £150,000 a year salary. Really? And he'd been following crypto since he was 15, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, and had become a... That's just all he'd done. Uh, and it was, a, it was a particular job that this particular firm wanted to employ someone for. Yeah. And he was the best person for the job. Uh, and they'd, and they'd, even offered, they'd offered him a salary of 100 k and he'd walked away and said, it's not enough. And then eventually they came back and offered him 150 so yeah. you know, that's a significant investment of this firm's money into crypto yeah. because the rate of growth over the last couple of years in that far outstrips any hedge funds, you know, investments, venture capitalism, yeah. commodity trading, all of that traditional ways of gradually increasing wealth, especially for uh, financial institutions. Yeah. Um, blown out of the water by, you know, the growth in bitcoin and ethereum and those sorts of stuff so. yeah i mean it's like and it's it doesn't even sit solely within the programming sphere mm. like a scenario that i often terrify myself about is like at, you know as a father of a daughter yeah how how would you handle like you you've got kids right have you got a, a boy and a girl or I've just got uh, just got a girl little girl okay so four, four and a half how would you handle it when she's like 15 or 16 and she has like 400,000 followers yeah. on something like TikTok. A social media influencer. Yeah. But all she's doing is like dancing around in her pants. And you're saying to her like... Can, can you monetize that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what you say. Is, uh, can you is, there, is there enough money for daddy to retire? <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's the thing. Like, you have to be supportive. But I, I thought about this scenario where, like, she comes up to me and she's just like, all these people my, love... My daughter. No. Oh, right. yeah. That would be a little bit creepy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, like, if my own daughter says, they just love my dancing, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, no, they fucking don't. <laughs> it's not your fucking dancing, love. <laughs> yeah. It's the pants. But then, you know, she's going to get offended and upset because she's yeah. going to think that you think that her dancing's shit. That's where you, like, you're coming from. yeah you have to break it to her that there's some really dark creeps in the world yeah but who and knows what the internet's going to look like in 10 years time you know if you don't know if even if you can manage to cast your mind back even just 10 years and think of about website design and think about what websites look like even 10 years ago compared to how they are now yeah um, you know what what's the internet going to look like in, a, in another 10 years is it going to be heavily regulated is yeah. it going to be a total free-for-all uh, you know, is it just going to be full up with the only way you can get on the internet is through paid advertising? You know, is, you know, is it? I think it'll all be metaversey. Yeah, that's my yeah, yeah, my hunch. It's not particularly groundbreaking, but I feel everything like everything everywhere, everything connected. Yeah, like not not to get too depressing about it, but I feel like if people have the choice of living in a climate change devastated world mm -hmm. and catching new variants. And being laid out for three months with, you know, long COVID-29 or whatever we're on then. Um, 
or just strapping on their Matrix helmet. Yeah, just and put, put the virtual reality goggles on and... Yeah, and living in a fantasy. Yeah. And like, well, I could fucking risk my health or I could go off into the Matrix yeah, and... We could just sit in your shed. And... Well, I mean, that's basically what it... Like, you see where I'm headed with this. I've got a green screen there and, a you know... Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, so I, I think people will opt quite depressingly to spend their lives in a fantasy. Mm. And I think we've already started to see the beginning of that through the coronavirus epidemic uh, in 2020 huge amounts of people driven to working at home instead of traveling into an office um we found a lot of new ways to do things that we perhaps hadn't considered in the past yeah uh, you know who would have thought that team meetings would have been done over the internet on Microsoft Teams or on Zoom, uh, other providers are available. Um, <laughs> yeah, rather than uh, face-to-face, uh, face-to-face meetings and people doing their jobs, be it you know, end project managing or yeah, uh, computer programming, just doing it all from home, and uh, you know, sending their work in on the internet. Yeah, um, I mean, the cliche is like people say that we were headed in this direction anyway. It's mm, just that COVID just forced it. Yeah, hurried it along a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I like there's so many work from home jobs now where I don't know. Am I talking out my ass? I don't know. I, I feel like again, <laughs> I feel like social jobs in FTSE 100 companies, like let's say a project support analyst, somebody yep. who has to go in between different team meetings, collect yep. notes and report back to a board and all yep. that stuff. I just don't know if that would, to me, that always feels like a sort of office-based role. Yeah, but I might be wrong because it's. But you just you just do that on Teams now, wouldn't you? you? Just connect to people and. Yeah, but is it the same? I just it, it's it's not. But I mean, you can do the job. I know what you mean. Like you could do not, that job remotely. Well, can, but... Yeah, can you do it? Yes, you you can. And yeah, if, I think if large numbers of people are given the choice between, do you want to come back to the office five days a week, or do you want to do some sort of hybrid? thing where you maybe come into the office on a Monday and we have a team meeting all together face to face on a Monday but the rest of the week you know mm. you can sort of do your own thing in your PJs at home you haven't got to get out of bed until 8 o'clock mm. uh, you've not got to sit on the smelly train um, sniffing uh, Mr Onion's armpits for uh, yeah. for an hour um, most people are going to gonna take that choice aren't they especially if their salary stays the same. Yeah do you know what's like weird about work from home is that there's this people have it in their heads that it's like a generational divide that the older generations don't get it and that they think the younger generation are just being lazy and they just want to like you say like stay at home in the pjs yeah um but actually in my experience it's the the really younger ones in the teams that want to come into the office for like the social aspect like yeah yeah definitely i was on a, a team's call a few months ago and they were sort of taking a show of hands of who would you know who wants to come back to the office office, yeah yeah like trying to be consultative trying to get everyone's feel for it Mm. and it was the two young'uns that were like you know i just like being amongst it yeah thursday night social epic bands in it yeah and i get it like i understand because when i was sort of you know young free and single city drinks was a big thing like on a thursday yes um but then like i mean i'm 41 it's it's part of fitting in it's part of yeah and they we're, we're social animals right yeah and but there was a big th- there has always been a big thing about like that you might there's a, a huge chance that you will meet your significant other yes. through your job so yeah. if you are young and single yeah if you haven't already <coughs> met them at uni 
well yes yeah there is that yeah um so yeah um slightly different uh topic it's been a bit of a wild week yes in politics little bit uh has this week been any more or less wild than the the last couple of weeks i don't know i read a tweet the other day where they said it was it was as the blackmail revelations were breaking so it must have been yesterday and somebody quote tweeted it and said like oh i see the end of season episode is it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i I just i I thought it was funny that the, the the blackmail accusations have come from the MP who's uh, crossed the floor and mm. gone to the Labour Party and said, those lot over there are a bunch of wankers, I don't want to work for them anymore and here's why. Yeah. He's just given it that, very much in the same way that uh, Dominic Cummings just pulled Boris's pants down and fucked him right in the arse when, he, <laughs> when, when he'd left and he's going to continue to do so for, yeah. for, for some period of time. Yeah. Every now and again, just uh, just dropping one, dropping one out. Oh, by the way, here's... Uh, Here's, uh, here's what else happened. They were having having drinks whilst uh, all you poor bastards were isolating in your homes. Yeah. Couldn't see any anybody outside of your own house. They were all in there getting pissed up with suitcases full of wine. So yeah. how about that? Yeah, it's kind of... The, the thing that fascinates me about it, obviously, apart from the, the, the grossness that everyone's appalled by, but the yeah. thing... Like, it's... In a in hundred years' time... Uh, you could look back at this period as like the the themes that run through this like power jealousy yes. rejection um revenge like it's like a fucking shakespearean yeah. character it's, it's study the, it's been uh, boris johnson's government have, has been described this week as some sort of like mafioso yeah uh regime where he's he's, he's saying to people no you tump- you tow the company i'm not going to do a boris johnson impression you no. tow the you tow the company line and then you can have your funding for your leveling up yeah. Uh, agenda. Uh, I'll give you the money for that new hospital that you're promising your constituents or your new school. Yeah. Uh, as long as you tow the company line, and if you don't want to do that, you're out in the cold, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. But it's even. I mean, I know people are rightly appalled by that. Yes. But it's it's more gross than that, even mm. from a systemic point of view, yeah. because where like what people are upset about is this idea of a sort of mafia setup where, like you say, like Johnson says. I'm not fucking signing off on that school, so all your kids are going to go uneducated unless you scratch my back and say that Brexit's amazing. Like that's yes. that sort of arrangement. But actually, if you pan out and you look at the way that uh, the MPs are whipped to yes. support yeah, stuff, I, yeah, I was just going to get onto that. Actually, if you look at the way that politics is structured in this country, it's fucking it's, nuts. It's a two-party system in all but name. Yeah, in the the own it's either the conservatives or labor is is going to be the the ruling government for the foreseeable future unless mm. anything changes and that's inherent in the first past the post political mm. system that's just how it's going to go um and the 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 pantomime politics that that goes on in Westminster and the uh, the, the jeering and the name calling and, mm. and that sort of stuff there's, there's no other job that that you can do there's in fact there's no other job that you can do where you can get sacked today from that job walk out with your 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 cardboard box full of your uh, your your british bulldog um ornaments and yeah. uh, and your cactus uh, uh, walk out of there and then carry it back in next door tomorrow and uh, get a job as minister for transport yeah uh, it just it's it's totally bonkers the the way that it the way that it works yeah but the the 
I guess the problem from a, a government or a ruling party or a party with any influences perspective is that it's like better the devil you know like they don't want to overhaul it even though it obviously yes. desperately needs desperately. overhauling the whole thing needs yeah a, a total not a, a rethink from from the ground up like how do uh, how does uh, national government work in this country how does local government work in this country yeah. and be funded um how do we get the right people in into politics? How do we attract people into politics that are people that actually genuinely care about? Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying that there's not politicians in there that, that care about the local constituency because there's loads that really do uh, and do fantastic work locally. There's also so many people that are just in it as a a career in politics. They started as a, a you know a researcher or whatever, yeah, and they end up going into junior aid, yeah, that's and they it. work for a lobbying firm, and yeah. they get parachuted into some cosy constituency. And all they've all they've known is um, is politics and and working for the government, and they've yeah. got no real world experience. They, they probably went to Eton or Harrow. They've probably come from a lot of money. Yeah, um, they, they they don't have the the same exposure to. Um, the people in their constituency that are battling with at the moment you know the high cost of living high energy bills high food prices mm. which all right a bag of pasta might have gone up from 50p to 60p uh, if you're on a middle income earner that's not a lot of money but to someone on a low income earner that's a 20% increase and mm. that's 20% that's been cut out of their food budget for for that week yeah. so again it always it hits the, the the poorest in society the most but these people that are that their MP, mm. they don't see that as a problem. They're so like, well, it's only gone up from fifty p to sixty p. It's only ten p. What's the yeah? You know, God, why the are you crying? That, the like, thing that that pickles my onions with that sort of shit is like <laughs> fucking boils my piss. <laughs> it's like it's always it always feels like like I, I want to be open minded and I want to sort of say like I did a TikTok earlier today where I was like, what would it take for you to vote Tory? Are you young enough to go on TikTok? Probably not. No inarguably not but uh but i like going on there and doing like political tiktoks and yeah, getting yeah 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 and uh, uh and i did this thing like what what would it take for you to vote tory in the sense that i like i might be able to be won over into conservatism at some point but yeah. what would it take what would their branding yeah. need to look like who would have to be the leader what would their policies mm. look like because if you're the sort of person who says like i could never vote tory fuck them burn burn down conservative age like <laughs> there's, there's, they're all evil and there's lots of people in the country that feel that way and they would never ever vote conservative sure as long as they're which as long as they're fine in. But you ha I think if you're going to adopt that mentality, you have to accept it for what it is, which yes. is tribal binary yeah, completely. loyalty. Completely. And that you you have to accept that you don't come across reasonable yes. if you like that. Yeah, yeah. So I like to sort of play with this idea of like what, like I'm not in any danger of voting conservative in the near future, but what would it need to be? I don't think anybody like? is, are they? No, no, not if the polls are to be yeah. believed. Um, right, what was my fucking point now? I've gone way off piece. Uh, you tell, why, would, why would anyone vote conservative? What, what would? Uh, what were you saying before that? I don't know. I'm just, I'm oh, just, I'm just, oh, my, I'm just right. running my mouth here. Yeah. No, I remember now. So um, the thing that bothers me is like when you have these conservative MPs who don't adopt any of the attributes that would win me over, for example, and instead what you get is uh, not self-made people, not people with any real-world experience. You get Etonian, Cambridge lobbying firm silver spoon cunts yes. who 
when the constituent approaches them and says like yeah. the cost of food the cost of pasta has gone up by 20 percent. what the fuck am i supposed to do then they say well you you might have to work harder speak to my secretary is what they say <laughs> probably yeah or yeah. can you get the riffraff out yeah. like um but in their minds, they're like, well, you have to work harder. That's why you're poor. Yeah, That's like why you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. You just need to work harder. But they've had everything fucking given to them. Yes. So it's like I could accept maybe an element of that, a layer of that, yeah. if it was coming from someone who had come from poverty and worked their way out of it. Yeah. Maybe. I've got an interesting anecdote. I'll, um, so uh, many years ago, an experiment was done. Uh, mm. with the, the, the family favourite game, Monopoly. Oh, right. Um, so it's uh, four people set up to play Monopoly, and mm. two people were given more money to start with. And they also, when they passed go, they got two hundred and fifty instead of two hundred. Mm. Okay, and that was that was the rules, and that was the game that they played. And when inevitably uh, one of those two people won the game, they attribute it to uh, superior um, thinking power and tactics yeah. in the game, rather than the game inherently being loaded in their favour. Yeah. So there's part of our psyche that that says, well, if if I'm doing well for myself, yeah. that's because of my own uh, my own hard work, uh, my own ingenuity has, yeah. has got me into that position, rather than um, them starting at that point and this other person starting way way up there, uh, yeah, and then saying, well, why why are you all the way down there? Yeah, uh, like you, why don't you just work harder, get a better job, and then you'll then you'll have as, as much money as me and be as successful as me and what about the angle almost be as attractive as me <laughs> what about the angle where the person starts with a little bit more money and every time they pass go they get a little bit more money yes, than the other person right uh, and then when the person who started with the least money gets a little bit more yes and is proud of what they've achieved yeah then they go I, look I've bought Pall Mall and like yeah. Old Kent Road and, and all of these other ones and then the person that had the more that's that's really crass that's, don't don't yeah there's no need to crow about those <laughs> yeah that's really um, uncouth don't, don't do, that. do that and and that's that's genuinely how it works and unfortunately yeah. that's hardwired uh, hardwired in there yeah I mean it's sort of I suppose it all comes down to ego really doesn't it everyone wants to tell themselves yes. the nice comforting story that the reason that they are where they are is because they were shrewd and yes uh, uh, and smarter yeah. than yeah, the competition yeah. and uh, we were chatting the other day about um, about our, our, our parents generation who have made a mint out yeah. of the property that they bought for six pound 83 in 19, <laughs> 1975 yeah uh, and uh, had to had to scrape quite hard to uh, get a week's wages together to, to buy the house. Oh yeah, um, yeah. In in that time, proper graft. Since then, uh, the price of that property has exploded in the, in fifty years. Uh, such that they're in their seventies now, and now now sat on a property that's worth half a million pounds. Yep. And they said, they say to themselves, that was due to my my shrewd uh, my shrewd choice to buy a property uh, yeah. at that time. Um, and that's what's what's made me all this money. And I was clever enough to buy in an, in a in a good area that's uh, that's really sort of come up in value. Uh, and they feel quite smug about it uh, mm. when it's through no doing of their own at all. It's just the the fact that successive governments have not built enough houses in this country. Mm. Uh, houses have become an, an investment idea, and there's vast swathes of properties that sat around the, the country with nobody in them because yeah. they've just been bought up by a. Uh, by by companies um, as an investment because they know the price is going to go up ten percent a year. That's yeah. Better than what you're going to get from buying stuff in the bank. I mean, if you've got liquid cash in the bank, you'd be a fucking idiot to not put it into property. I know people get very emotive 
and and some of my followers and subscribers get very emotive about this stuff uh when they when they're talking about landlords they're just like they're fucking leeches aid and they just yeah, they yeah. take up housing yeah. people desperately need these houses and if every landlord in bogner regis sold their thing then there would be sufficient yeah, houses yeah. for the same number of homeless people that are and i i get all of that but if you look at it from an investor's point of view uh anyone's point of view if i have 200 grand in the bank that cash is going to devalue yeah yeah well interest rates now well, they're saying yeah like five six percent and then you throw like quantitative easing into the mix every year the money gets worth less <coughs> yeah, and less being eroded yeah uh so your options are to put them into stocks and shares which you could yep. do which if you'd put them into tech stocks at like 10 years ago i'm sure you'd be like, you'd laughing be retired by now yeah, yeah. uh or bitcoin if you want to yeah ride go, that wave go, go crypto yeah um, or you can go safe as airs, Ryan. Yeah, safe, safe as airs, and I think a, a lot of people in our parents' generation again have, have done that, and they say we'll buy a we'll buy a second property uh, rather than uh, mm. uh, we'll, we'll buy a second property, we'll rent that out, and that's our pension. That's our pension taken care of. Yeah, and they've they've physically been able to do that because of the the astronomical rise of the value of the property that that they bought. Um, mm most of them would have been on final salary pensions and yeah. when they retired after working for the same firm for 35 years yeah a nice lump sum of money you see these people on the you know these uh, these property programs hello this is dave uh, he's a he's a beekeeper and uh, <laughs> his wife adeline yeah. uh, makes wax candles from her uh, from her arse juice um and uh, they've got a modest budget of 1.7 million to to buy a property in the Cotswolds yeah uh, and that's the, these people the money has just fallen into their lap they've not yeah. done anything particular to anybody different of their generation and it's just landed there so they said okay well what can we do uh as a as a nice uh, little retirement income let's invest in property so yeah all of these places have been buying that. and the vast majority of landlords in this country are one property owners so yeah they own, they own and live in their own property and then they're they own one other property which is the one that they they rent out as a landlord yeah and i suppose that sort of goes back to like if if you let's say you bought in the 80s and then you paid off that mortgage mm. uh, you're sitting on a, a huge nest egg like let's yeah. say five six seven hundred grand yeah. now at this point yeah. it's not a huge stretch for you to do an equity release get like 50 60 grand out of that and then I suppose this is where like the era of people like effectively bequeathing house deposit money yes, came to, from yeah, yeah. to give to their kids. I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't in that situation, unfortunately. But um, but uh, and then the other, <laughs> the other layer to this is like when I can't remember if it's Gordon Brown or if it was David Cameron, but somewhere around that period, didn't they start taxing pensions quite heavily? It was like a pensions raid, and so then that pushed the older generations to go like, "Well, hang on a second. If I'm going to yes. get taxed on yes, my savings, right. yeah, early two thousands, yeah, yeah, they were like, right, I can, I can actually take out a huge chunk and yeah, then put right. that into something. Now you can do an income drawdown on your on your pension, and yeah. you don't have to buy an annuity with it. That's yeah. come more recently, I think, in the last ten years. Mm. You don't have to buy an annuity with your pension that pays you, you know, money every week. Yeah, uh, you can take your own money out, and yeah. uh, as long as you're not going to go and buy a Ferrari with it and uh, crash it off a cliff into the sea. Uh, you can invest it as you see fit. So you yeah. can use that as a fifteen percent deposit on a on a property, um, and then 
you've got your you've got your your income from that. Yeah, renting a property out at fourteen or they fifteen hundred quid. They used to do. Oh, do you know Tom Ponton? I don't know if you. No, I don't know him. No, no he's. Uh, he, he used to. Well, I sort of know him from London, but he's originally from Henley, and he knew Stuart. Okay. Through people, and um, anyway, he was he was on a episode of this a while back, and we were talking about the property, the housing crisis, and we talked about bonds and yeah. how the older generation used to use that as sort of like guaranteed income yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was seen as a yeah. really solid investment yeah wouldn't make you a millionaire but it was no, good but it would give you a, a gentle return four percent three percent something like that and because governments never default on bond that's right, yeah. yield that's right i think i'm yeah using the correct terminology then um it's yeah it's pretty safe yeah. uh, and then the return on bonds tanked yeah around i think i'm correct saying this around the housing uh, around the global financial crash yes 2008 yeah they went down to less than one percent i think yeah and so then again like if you're let's say you're 60 65 years old you're retired you got this pension traditionally you would have bought into bonds traditionally you would have um I don't know, like invested in something. Yeah, bought, like, bought an annuity. Yeah, yeah just, and now you've got this big tax bill coming. You can totally see. I like. I don't begrudge anyone like over the age of sixty who's no, bought into not. that. I no, totally no, get it. I you, you do what you need to do, right? And you think yeah. about, well, I've got this money. What can I? What's going to be the best thing that I can do with it for my future, for my children's future? Yeah. Uh, you know how how best to invest it, and then go and speak to someone that calls himself a financial advisor and. Uh, they would say this is where you need to put your money put it into property safe as houses like you said safe as houses geese. yeah put it in uh, and you'll be fine um so any of the pitfalls about being a landlord and about uh, having a tenant in that's going to trash your property and yeah you know, all the the, the 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 liabilities that you have as a landlord uh, you know so uh, i know a lot of the older generation have done that and been burnt um and yeah. then there's the other problem of them buying a second property not to rent out but to have it as a holiday home oh yeah down, down in bognor regis or uh, cornwall or wales uh, yeah uh, norfolk these uh, beautiful places that uh, completely alienated the local uh, the local market yeah uh, the young people that live there that would traditionally have been looking to get onto the property ladder at about one hundred and fifty thousand, now looking at two hundred and fifty thousand because there's no small bolt holes that would traditionally be your first property because yeah. uh, they've all been bought up by people that live up country yeah it's quite it's quite uh, i was going to say it's quite sad then immediately margate popped into my head yeah margate's another one yeah which is sort of they've been like imagine if you were trying to get on the ladder in margate people already own holiday homes there and yeah. then a fuck ton of hipsters are just like whoa <laughs> we should move yeah. to margate motherfucker like it's, and then it's an hour and a half on the train from central london oh people fucking love it like i worked with a woman who worked who lived in margate and she just started renting there and she was like she's an american lady she's like i never want to leave it's so great and i was like you know intrigued because i'm it's like I, sleepy hollow it's just like I don't know what it's. I've never been there, but two people now have told me that it's exactly that it's right up my street, um, and I'm wondering if maybe I should. It's uh, for, I've, I've never been there, but by all accounts, it's like how Brighton used to be. Really? Yeah. So you know, a bit creative. Yeah, a bit yeah. Artsy. And, yeah, yeah. And I say it's by the sea. It's you know beautiful. Has it uh, turned? Do you, have you been there? No, no. Oh, no. okay. 
I was going to say, like, has not, it turned that corner, right? Because there's there's this corner. There should be a name for this. Is that the, the corner where the, the head disappears up the own arse? Uh, yes, it should be called the arse head curve, yeah. really. I mean, it needs a name, basically. But, like, this... So We've just named it, sorry. The arse head curve? Yeah. Okay, well, so. I'm going to describe it's it. Stick. <laughs> if I If I may. If we say it enough, it'll stick. So it's like, here's... Right, here's the, the sort of near the curve, right, I yeah. guess and then that's that's where things are kind of cool and a bit trendy and a bit edgy yeah. then you get right up to the top which is where uh people like is where peckham is now where people it's flood a, into a peckham because it's yeah. super cool and super edgy and then it sort of get when it just gets over the edge of that is when it becomes like camden or like yes. shoreditch now yeah. where it just becomes a fucking parody of itself a hateful uh, yeah it, it i love london t-shirts yeah, everywhere yeah. Lo- tat and, um, stores TV programs filmed there because yeah. it's, uh, this is the trendy place yeah. to go, and everybody knows Camden. Yeah, and you've got the the bridge with Camden Lock written in the background. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it becomes a, an iconic. Destination. It's, it's like the difference it's, between um, just want to throw a can of petrol on it and set fire to it. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Start again. I mean, <laughs> like when I I lived in Brick Lane and it was like that because don't, I'm don't do arson, kids. Yeah, that's not. We're not. Um, well, I, I should remind you again, any Stay legal types, Ryan is not speaking on behalf of anyone but Ryan tonight. Um, uh, but yeah, like when when I lived in... um did say low budget. It's pretty... <laughs> should have said low rent. <laughs> <laughs> low rent, low budget, low, yeah. low IQ. Yeah. Uh, we just It's just low, lower than low. Um, yeah, when I was in, in Brick Lane, it was kind of like that. And when I was... Mm. Uh, I never lived in Camden, but... I always felt like Camden was sort of up. It's like there the must have been something that attracted you to want to go and live in Brick Lane, right? And it, not yes, just I was your, a massive your, twat. Not yeah. just your love for curry. It's... No, although the curries were good. Yeah, but it was just I was. I remember thinking like consciously because at the time I think I was thirty or thirty-one. And I remember thinking I've always wanted to live in like a place that's actually cool instead of like I'd lived in Docklands, which is objectively not cool. Well, yeah, it's, and. Uh, like and then Muswell Hill, which was nice, but yeah, again yeah. not particularly cool. Yeah. And I was doing music and comedy and stuff, mm. and I was just like, I just like if I don't do it now at like thirty yeah, or thirty one, yeah. I'll be too that? old to do it, yeah. and it'll be like, yeah. you know, I'll be that old guy. People are already asking questions of you at thirty one. Like, yeah. What, what are you doing here? Well, thirty one in London years yeah. is like, you know. Yes, you're still living with your parents, aren't you? 30, 31, because you can't afford to to buy a place no. in, in London. That's it. like I always imagine it like. Um, sorry, I'm going all over the place. Yeah, right? yeah. But like, um, if you if you walk into a pub in London wearing a band T-shirt with your hair in dreadlocks and Doc Martens on and ripped jeans, but you're like 43 years old, nobody would really bat an eyelid. No, not nobody really. cared. No. It's same, sort of, even if you still have a pink mohawk from when yeah. you were a punk in 1979. It, like, even so, if you lived in a house share at, like, 43 and that was yeah. your life, like, yeah. people would be like, yeah, cool, that's... Yes, you do you, huh? That's Jed over there, and he's, you know... <laughs> but, like, if you're 43 in Maidenhead and you're wearing a band <laughs> yeah. t-shirt, like, it's yeah. a different, yeah, a different th- thing. Theresa May would probably uh, look down on you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just a... Yeah, there's a definite difference. It's like dog years, yeah. um... But yeah, like going back to the sort of the Brick Lane and the Camden thing, like it's the difference for me is like uh, when you move into a sort of edgy, cool area where there's artists and there's musicians and there's graffiti and there's uh, open mic gigs and stuff like that. That's cool. And then when it it moves over the arse head curve, <laughs> then <laughs> the, actually the, it becomes... The head starts, starts getting closer to the arsehole. 
that yes that exact moment then it's advertising agencies and digital marketing yes. because they want to be in the cool edgy and, thing and, but it's too late it's and, the, and, it's and tv crews and tv crews yeah yeah um and that's when you know like so if you go to shoreditch now nobody fucking lives in shoreditch anymore no artists <laughs> live in shoreditch yeah. it's all like city boys who want to live somewhere cool yeah. or yeah. like abc Just marketing chasing the curve it yeah would take, yeah yeah it's yeah. it's a tragedy really of certainly london i don't know how far out it's spread but like the gentrification stuff is is pretty tragic in the sense that it's the artists who move into a broke cheap area and then yeah. kind of make it cool yeah, and trendy yeah. and then the city boys and the advertising agencies go that place is really cool and hip and happening and really bohemian r- super boho bro <laughs> and then and then it yeah it fucking kills it yeah it's a shame really um, how, how we've got to that from uh, yeah getting onto the getting onto the property ladder for, mm. uh, from your first job at sixteen. It's, uh, yeah, there'll be some like fucking wise, wise. I was going to say wise ass. Yeah, um, like comment saying like, well, one minute you're supporting landlords and like people taking <laughs> up property, and the next minute you're going. Ooh. Next minute you're cunting them off. Yeah, What's the matter yeah. with you? Um, yeah, I've I've changed my mind in the last five <laughs> minutes. I'm allowed to. Yeah, I'm allowed to reverse out of this cul-de-sac. Yeah, completely. That's uh, well, that that's the whole point of. Uh, that's the whole point of having a discussion about it, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, here's, here's a random question, of, no. a sort of a conversation hand grenade to throw okay. at you. Um, uh, so you've lived in Berkshire. You're in Berkshire still now? I'm in Berkshire, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your whole life? Bonnie Bracknell. Berkshire, yeah, my whole life, apart from a short time, uh, I, I rented a room in, in West London when I was working okay. there for, in Acton for a oh, short yeah, time. Yeah. I worked at the bowling alley there before I... I remember Acton. Park Royal. Yes, Park Royal. Has that yeah. been bulldozed? Because uh, it fucking should be. So the, the, the nightclub, I believe the nightclub has, I believe that the, the bowling alley uh, lives on. Okay. Yeah. The, Survived. The, the, yeah, that was... <laughs> the one fucking one. place they should... That was not, ple- <laughs> not pleasant. It, that, that, it was eye-opening to, to a 19-year-old. Yeah. Uh, people getting stabbed in the car park. When I the, saw... When the uh, nightclub chucked out. Yeah. yeah. I saw two girls talking and laughing with each other one minute i turned around because i was djing because i was super cool uh and when i turned back around one of them had glassed the other one yeah i was like how the fuck did that go so bad so how did that go nuclear in such a short short period of time but it's like Uh i came away with this sort of feeling like that's how they communicate it's like it was part of the conversation was that she had that was like the full stop was (laughs) you know have that um yeah, but I was going to say, like, so you've lived in, in Berkshire for the yes. majority of your life. Yeah, the, nearly my whole life, yeah. And we talked about the housing crisis. Yes. And we sort of touched on how fucked British politics is, yes. certainly at the moment. Do you think you would ever pack up your family and just fuck off? Um, yeah. It, it, where is... Back to the question, where? Mm. So... Um, do you mean like fuck off abroad somewhere or somewhere else in the I UK? I mean just like, like no emigrate like just go a yeah, different go country abroad. yeah yeah uh, I think I, I'm I'm of an age now where I'm I'm far too settled so I've been in the same career for 21 years mm. um, I'm ingrained in yeah uh, in the in the local uh, local area um, I enjoy I do enjoy travelling and I've been lucky enough to travel all around the world mm. uh, all, you know different continents the, the americas uh, all across europe asia um 
So uh, I've been lucky. I've seen a lot of the world, and part of that has come from the job that I've done has enabled me to be able to to get around sort of, and, yeah afford to have a holiday and say, oh yeah, I can take off two weeks to just go yeah. to Hong Kong and Taiwan and China. Do you know what I mean? Like I can go and do that, or I can go and have two weeks on a beach in Florida. Like so, um, I've been I've been very fortunate on that, and I, I'm I'm definite advocate of uh, travel broadens the mind. Yeah. Um, it helps you to uh, understand other people and you know how they're mm. coming from. But could I go and do it permanently? Permanently live abroad? Probably not. I'm not that brave. Mm. Uh, I'm somebody that's in, inherently uh, risk averse. Mm. Uh, I just think the jeopardy in moving to another country um, is is beyond me. Um, I have three sisters. The eldest one lives in Spain. Uh, she got up and said, "No, fuck this." I'm, I've had enough of the UK. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going. So she moved to Spain about eight years ago. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy there. Um, my youngest sister tried it for a year, didn't get on, came back to the UK. Um, for me, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite settled. Uh, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the mundane. I enjoy knowing where I am every week. Yeah. Uh, so it's not for me, but I think it it has to be in, inherently in you, and I think you. You're certainly willing to take more risks when you're in your twenties compared to when you're in your forties. Yeah, yeah. Like in your twenties, you can be a percentage of reckless. You can afford to be reckless yeah. because you've got plenty of time to recover. When you're in your when you're in your forties and you've got a young family and your your children are in school, yeah, um, you think oh, the potential to fuck my child's life up by by moving to another country. Mm. Uh, you know, my child doesn't get on. They don't learn the local language. Disruptive. Uh, it's, you know, they get bullied for being the outsider. Like yeah. all those things would sort of go through your go through your head, and you think, well, actually, I think things are okay as they are. Yeah, that is a big thing, isn't it? Because like, a, I I often toy with the idea of like what would life look like for us if we just packed up and then moved to like Bali? Because there's this like mm. there's a big digital nomad. Thing yes. going on yeah yeah so during the pandemic um, Mauritius were offering year-long visas to people that wanted to come and work remotely really mm. yeah I mean it's super tempting mm. and it's like there's no real reason uh, like I mean earlier we, I was talking about how some roles are uh, sort of social and you need to be in interacting with different teams and stuff but I'm very fortunate in the sense that I can just sit here and code push the code somebody checks it yep. then somebody deploys it and that's the it like i could literally do it anywhere, yeah, in, the world. anywhere in the world yeah um and with a uk salary if we lived mm. in bali we could live a significantly more comfortable lifestyle yeah plus i'm just sort of built for a hot climate i fucking hate this cold <laughs> shit hate like, the cold. <laughs> i just can't the best best couple of years of my life i swear to god was like i went traveling to thailand and australia and then came back to the UK like when it was summer. summer. I missed. I yep. didn't have a winter for fucking like eighteen months or two yep. years or yep. something. And um, I'd love to get back to that. Mm. But then I do like like you've mentioned. Uh, you know, I've got two kids, and the idea of it's not so much them being like the outsider because I've got. I, I'd be confident they would make friends. Yeah. But it's the disruption and the psychology that concerns me to some extent. I would just be like, what does it do? to a four-year-old mind to uproot him from everything he's known yeah. 
from this town, from this house, move him the other side of the world where everyone yeah. looks a bit different and sounds a bit different. He doesn't know the language, and then and then it doesn't all work out. Yeah. And then four months later, we're back on a plane. We're back here, yeah. but in a different house. And everyone's like, Dis- "Where did you go again?" Yeah, yeah. Why do you look different? Why are yeah. you tanned now? And yeah, why have been? you picked up a Balinese accent? Or like you know, <laughs> like it's yeah. it, it, none of these things should matter. And I've got no you know full disclosure no issue with Balinese accents or you know tanned or like whatever people speaking foreign languages yeah like in, but in, I in their own country it's the why concern why don't you just talk English <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it's the concern it's that it's coming from a good place like it's the welfare of your child and you wouldn't want him to be or her to be confused and yes yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I think you become acutely aware of that as a parent and you yeah think, you know I, I, uh, I want my children to do well in life. Uh, I want them to be happy and feel settled. And it's natural, sort of going back to what we were talking about earlier and a younger generation expecting more, mm. but it's natural that you want your children to have opportunities that were denied to you. Mm. So, um, and if you think, well, if I can enable that in any sort of way by maybe, <clears throat> say we were talking about equity release or something, I can I can do some equity release, bank of mum and dad, I can, I can get my children like onto the property ladder mm. or uh, a bit of old-fashioned nepotism i can get them a job at my firm and that's their sort of first foot on the ladder mm. um people are you, you're going to want to do that for your children because you want the best for them right and you want to see them sort of happy and successful and doing well in life you don't want to see your kids struggling so that's why i think we've got away from people leaving school wanting to be uh, welders and van drivers and panel beaters like mm. and wanting to go into um much uh, much more successful and lucrative uh, lucrative careers uh, that said uh, there's, there's not a job out there in that area for everybody so mm. it's made uh, competition quite quite tough um working in manufacturing we see uh, we really struggle now to find people that want to come and work in a factory mm. um because that's you know how uh, how things have gone trying to attract uh, younger people to come and do an apprenticeship in a in a factory mm. like who the fuck wants to leave school and work in a dusty like noisy <laughs> factory for the next 40 years yeah you know, lovely that's that's my career sorted it's like no young person says that so the only way we can attract them in and say this is going to be this is going to be what your career path looks like. Yeah, you start here working in the factory, and then you do your apprenticeship for three years, and then two years after that, you can start looking at okay, well, what's my next job? And then you can sort of move into middle management, and then yeah. a couple of years later, you'll be in senior management, and sort of that's how your career will go. That's the only way that we can attract people in. So, do you think? Are you stuck in a sort of like this like awkward window in between like automation and not having enough staff at the moment? Yes. So the 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 thing with automation is it's fucking expensive, right? right. So to buy um, buy technology that can do the job of a person is going to cost. The starting point is going to be two hundred thousand, probably up to a million pound for a piece of machinery that will like per a, person's like work. Yeah. So if you think right. well. Um, uh, we don't pay minimum wage we pay much better than minimum wage but i can pay someone say 10 pound an hour right, mm. to come and uh, come and pack boxes um i can get a, i can get a lot of mileage out of someone at 10 pound an hour versus a machine that would cost me a million pounds to buy install wire up program um, mm. and then the ongoing maintenance of that machine yeah. would be probably 10% of the machine's value every year yeah 
to keep it up and running um, machinery is expensive so as a, as a manufacturer yes technology moves on and stuff gets cheaper and gradually over time you'll you'll look at stuff and say okay well now I can buy a machine for relatively low cost in comparison to the wages that I'd have to pay someone to do that but there's always going to be jobs that require people so if I run a machine uh, I work for a, a company that makes it's an FMCG which is fast moving consumer goods so it's stuff that's got a shelf life mm. um, you're, uh, you're, you're putting stuff through machines you know machines jam up that the wrappers get stuck you know the lids for things get stuck in somebody's yeah. got to put those put those wrappers on the machine um, you know somebody's got to load up the cardboard boxes that stuff gets put in so yeah. there's always going to be a need and a desire to to have people physically present in a factory to yeah to do stuff so um there's always going to be someone that needs to do the maintenance on that machine and fix it when it breaks down and change the bar the parts that are worn down yeah um so yes there is com compared to when i started there 21 years ago um there was a lot more people in the factory then than there is now and we have automated a lot of jobs like a lot of the like the packing jobs where you, you're putting stuff in uh, into boxes mm. um, a lot of it's automated um, we've probably gone from probably a th probably a thousand people in the factory 20 years ago down to probably about 250 now so 25 percent yeah compared to then um, but there was there was a lot more uh, the jobs were a lot more manual then so it's sort of you know, picking up like great heavy sacks of stuff and pumping and dumping and we, we don't do that now it's all done by machine yeah. and then but then the sorts of people that did those jobs like 20 years ago were they was it like eastern european brexity kind of immigration and so they're no longer coming over and so it's kind of flat effect, um, so, so things it? were different so so when i started there people that had worked there for 30 years um a lot of them were local so they'd, they'd grown up in the area and they mm. knew that that was a big employer in the area um a lot of them joined in the 1980s during the recession there mm -hmm. when things were very difficult they were uh, they were local you know roofers plasterers that were just completely out of work because the building trade had fallen on its ass completely shit the bed and so yeah. they just say well okay well, where can i go where can i find work yeah and in a, in a factory where there was huge amounts of manual labor required they yeah. were exactly the right sort of people and we say well you know, um, we, we used to joke about them, but strong in arm, thick in head. They were the sort of people that you needed in the factory because you just say, right, I just need you to pick up that that sack that yeah. weighs, you know, twenty five kilos from there, put it up there, and then yeah. cut it open and empty it, and then put another sack up there and another one, and you know, I just need you to do that for eight hours, please, and then say, okay, that's great. If you're going to pay me a wage, yeah, uh, I've got money in my pocket, I can go home, I can I can put food on the table. Uh, and that's how it and, and that's how it was and you back to you know your welders and your panel beaters and yeah. that sort of thing manual labor um and and over the years that's that's gradually shifted away now those people have retired um we did have we did have a contingent of uh, of people from from the continent we were ad we advertised on the continent for a while had a lot of people from Italy and Malta that had come to come to work in the factory mm. where we just needed we'd exhausted the local population we were employing so many people that we just needed these sorts of people that were just going to come and do this kind of humping and dumping sort of jobs. Yeah. 
Um, as now most of that has been automated there's not so much sort of uh, picking stuff up crippling your back to to do these sorts of roles um, we do now employ a large contingent of Eastern Europeans mm. um, mostly Polish but Bulgarian Romanian uh, Ukrainian um, that uh, just want to come and work and they work bloody hard yeah um, yeah um, I just thought like maybe it's like you 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 must have a bit of a, a challenge on your hands to convince young people to come and work in a factory because my my perspective of it if I was like a 22 year old now would be if I go and work in this factory my job's probably going to be automated in like five years so yeah, am I just I, getting yeah. myself yeah. a job with a like career trajectory that's going to be just cut short in yeah yeah but yeah. that's why we have to sell it to them and say yeah you know you do a couple of years in the factory maybe from to, you start your apprenticeship today in five yeah. years you're probably going to be looking at moving to middle management or yeah going to do something else you know some other part of a, a career you can because that's the the joy of working for a large corporate large faceless corporation yeah you can just so you say well okay one day i work in the factory tomorrow i might be involved in quality and food safety or yeah i might be involved in uh, packaging development or i might be involved in research and development so there's all, all of these other sort of roles that come with it and that's how we have to sell it to people we don't sell it and say you're going to be here packing boxes for 40 years because uh, <laughs> that's just not sexy right no it's just not sexy so you can't compete with so i do a lot of uh, i do a lot of the recruitment for for the apprentice scheme i go into schools and yeah. talk to them when we do like careers fairs at schools so you go and talk to young people and you say well what do you want to do with your life um quite a few of them have already got something mapped out and they say well my parents want me to be uh, a pharmacist or a lawyer or yeah. you know, a doctor architect like they've got the, a steer from their parents already yeah the ones that don't have that say well what's attractive about working in a factory because mm-hmm. i'm just going to go to uni really where i can say go and we're back to drinking and shagging again. But <laughs> yeah. I can go. I can, I can. I can drink myself to deck. I, I can fuck my backbone out for yeah. a couple of years. Uh, doss around for the first year at least. Um, come out with a degree, shitload of debt, but everyone's got debt, so you know what does it matter? Uh, and then sort of walk myself into a job for you know, twenty-one, twenty-two grand a year as a starting wage, and work my way out from there. Yeah. And uh, so I have to sell it and say, well, you can have that twenty-two grand a year now i'll pay you to go to college and do some qualifications yeah uh, and then in three or four years time you're probably going to be on 40k so you say well you know what your mates are going to be coming out of uni with 60 70 100 grand's worth of debt uh you're going to be earning 40 grand a year with mm. no debt and you've got some qualifications behind you um you're going to be on you know going to be on the way um and that's the only way that i can I can sell it and sometimes you have to go as basic as do you want a brand new BMW because <laughs> I, I can pay you I can give you the money for you to be able to go and do that and if it's yeah. materialistic things that young people want and um, if they want a, a life fulfilling life fulfilling career and they you know they, or they say oh you know I want to do something that uh, makes a difference to the environment and I say well go and get a job at the WWF because I, I can't offer you I can't yeah. offer you that right uh, you have to be realistic uh, with people uh, I also do a lot of the re- recruitment for experienced manufacturing operators and believe me there is 
so fewer amount of those people out there now it's almost becoming a specialized skill right um and those people that come they've done manufacturing that's what they know yeah so they just want to continue they said that's my skill set i want to continue working in manufacturing um and so it's yeah it's becoming increasingly harder to find those sorts of people that are used to working in a manufacturing environment when mm. again 40 years ago it would have been a lot more common a lot more people would have done it um if you just think about in berkshire and manufacturing used to be all over slough trading estate and mm. people moved out of london to come and work in slough trading estate uh, come and work for companies like mars sarah lee mm. um uh, uh Benkiser, like um all of those sort of firms that had manufacturing presence there that are now nearly all gone and been replaced with you know, data farms and yeah um, you know server housing and those sorts of uh, buildings there. and then so i suppose <clears throat> then you have your work cut out because if you if these were your sort of hunting ground to yeah, find yeah, yeah. experienced hires yeah, then yeah yeah, you... yeah so usually you'd get people you know they want to sort of oh you know I'm not really getting on so well here sort of packing gattos i think i'll you know i fancy doing something a bit different and then you'd be able to say well okay here's put a job in the local paper <laughs> you know and like advertise locally yeah uh, on the star fm or something like that yeah uh, and say you know here's yeah we you know this firm's looking for people and then you'd get a, a load of people come over or yeah. something would happen on, on one of those firms and they would say oh no we're, we're shutting down our bubble bath line yeah um, you know because it's, it's no longer financially viable a load of people will get made redundant and then all the local firms would just snap them all up yeah um, so the people you get this sort of you know moving around much the same way as younger people are now moving in their careers yeah but they're yeah. aggressively seeking it rather than being pushed into it which is what used to happen yeah like my my advice to younger people in in the tech world is um like i think if you're like 22 25 like certainly in your 20s and you have that ability to to uh to take a bit of risk and let's say that i'm having a conversation with them about whether they could get that bmw like they want they yeah. want the material stuff right uh i like my advice would be like you should move around about three or four times because that yeah. like if you yeah, yeah, if you want to maximize your earning potential you've got you, to move you're probably not going to get it by staying at the same company so you can move to another firm and get a 25 percent pay rise overnight yeah just for going to another firm yeah but i don't know how much that's is that specific to tech i don't know or is that because the i market... would say the same applies probably if you work in sales or yeah. uh, like marketing uh, i don't PR, think it works in retail though like if you worked in a shop or mcdonald's yeah. or something like if you moved from yeah, mcdonald's I to think, burger king to I think Wimpy. minimum wage is minimum wage isn't it yeah, yeah. it's weird that isn't it yeah. i suppose because there's just this ever present deluge of people who are kind of desperate for a job yeah i mean we we pay we pay more than minimum wage because mm. we want to become attractive to people that are looking for casual work to yeah come and pack boxes but they start off packing boxes but then in the last year i've hired three people who come and worked as a, a temp on a temporary contract yeah um zero hours contract and then sort of uh, came in showed what they were capable of and they get then a, a what we call a permanent contract which sounds weird but it's yeah. like a, a guarantee we guarantee them that they will have work every week yeah sort of going forward uh, 
at this wage so we have sort of like a casual wage that we pay we have a, a, a permanent contract wage which is more that we pay and then from there they've then got themselves permanent work so again it's those opportunity yeah. sort of knocking but you have to be there you have to show what you're capable of and you have to start somewhere to be able to then get to the next get to the next bit so yes advice for young people um be aggressive because it's you, you're not going to get you don't get anything for loyalty these mm. days be it uh, sticking with your car insurance or uh, or working for the same firm you get fuck all for for, for sticking with with, uh, with one firm mm. so be aggressive move find a fucking niche and that's that's sometimes the hardest bit and it's easy advice so yeah get get yourself into your own niche but if you can get into something where yeah. there's there's relatively few people that um that know about that area of expertise or it's just something that other people perhaps don't want to do and yeah. so it's going that way now for manufacturing is it's not sexy but we're having to look harder and harder to find the right caliber of people and consequently the wage that you begin to offer people starts to creep up mm. and say well if i can't attract them for thirty thousand, i have to offer them thirty-five thousand. yeah if i can't get it for 35 i have to go to 40 so that's how it starts and we've seen it over the last year with like hgv drivers and mm. and that kind of thing it's just like if, if you've got a skill that's in demand then you name your price so yeah and that's that's something that sort of transcends manufacturing obviously it's yeah, it yeah exactly. <clears throat> hits hits every industry doesn't it like I, I suppose the the obvious examples in my world would be and I, I forget if it's like condor or if it's um can't remember the other one now there's there's a, a quite an old programming language <clears throat> and a lot of the banks use it and always have done for about 20 years i think so a lot of their like uh infrastructure the, the stuff. commodore they're running on a commodore 64 no it's yeah. not commodore it's not that old <laughs> uh but it's, it's probably not far off basic yeah, yeah. one little zx spectrum yeah. is just <laughs> yeah. about powering bar cap <laughs> Um, no wonder we had the financial crash in 2008. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they blamed it on reckless bankers, but actually no, no, it, was it was just IT. Uh, the, the, situation, yeah. the uh, spectrum fell over. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like somebody has to maintain those systems yeah. uh, and they're too vital or too critical uh, for them to uh, unplug and rewrite and overhaul. And so they're sort of, you know, teetering along. And these guys who learnt this language, you know, back in the 90s. Because it was de rigueur. Then. Yeah. Um, and then, like, a lot of the other programming population moved on to other sexy yeah, technologies, yeah. your JavaScripts, yeah. your C-sharps, and so on. Yeah, yeah. And these guys just stayed doing that. And they just, you know, it was a comfortable job, and they just sort of sat back. And now what they found is over that space of time yeah their earning potential yeah some of these guys earn like a grand a day yeah and they only work like three days a month yeah or yeah you know Uh, they'll be on a retained contract yeah to um look after the maintenance of the as 400 servers that have been creaking since 1984 yeah in there um yeah they can code in COBOL, and that's yeah what they what they know exactly Um, and uh yeah, the sort of the rest of the yeah you say your JavaScripts and C plus plus and Visual Basic is completely yeah. Well, you uh, still you see it now even with uh, older flavors of JavaScript. So I do React, um, but there's still a lot of Angular work out there, and there's still even a lot of like <laughs> jQuery stuff, which is yeah. sort of when I first started dipping my toe into coding was in like 2015, and you like all the coding tutorials were about jQuery, uh, and. 
a friend of mine who I worked at Sky with took on a jQuery contracting job last year and it was paying the same as a React one because there's so few front-end developers who yes. still fuck with jQuery. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to do a contract in jQuery because it's kind of an old it's tech. A, it's old and shit. Yeah. yeah, and there's this feeling that, oh, well, if I do jQuery for a year, then I'll fall behind what's going on in React yes, and yeah, the rest yeah. of the shit. So, yeah. yeah, so it's like... FOMO. Yeah, kind of. But it's like, so then the company have to pay a premium because they've got a, let's say it's me going out into the market. If you want to pay me to do a jQuery job for a year yep. and take that risk of falling behind the rest of the market, mm. I'm going to want some sort of premium. You want some compensation for that. Yeah. Um, and then you get it gets increasingly difficult because then you can't just advertise for a, can a, a jQuery programmer come and sort our systems out. Because no. those people are few and far between. You then have to go to an agency and say that's got... Headhunt that motherfucker. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you pay a premium for that. So yeah. it becomes increasingly more expensive. So this is what they do. They find these people and then they pay them a retainer and say, we want four days a month work out of you and we'll pay you X yeah. amount. And you're always on call. Always on call. And, yeah. And, you know, if our, our servers catch fire and uh, fall over and shit themselves, then... We just have to get you, uh, you know, in out of bed at three a.m. And they say, "Well, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that because yeah. uh, for the rest of the month, I'm just going to be doing fuck all." So, uh, well, actually, what they do is they you, you probably know this. You you, you must work yeah. with like limited company contractors, facetious. But they give you their like insurance thing where they're just like, "Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm fine. Let just sign here. It says that I'm you know I've got five million insurance just in case yeah. I do something yeah. or I go missing or yeah. um, place does burn down. It's yeah. definitely not my fault. Uh, Ryan, we need to yeah. uh, we need to cut this off, man. Yeah, um, thank you so much for coming over. Yeah. Thanks very much for um, for for your insight into manufacturing and for talking shit yeah, with no, me for the no last problem. hour. Uh, next time we'll make it funnier. Uh, I mean, they're never funny, so it's yeah, it's <laughs> fine. Dry, it could be a bit of a dry subject. This has been this has been yeah. me peaking. Next so. time, health and safety. <laughs> next time, parking tickets <laughs> and local bus yeah, services. Do a phone in. Do a phone in if you've ever had a parking ticket that yeah. you think is unjust. Um, but yeah, so I'll I'll be back uh, next week. I'm not sure who my guest is at the moment because I haven't got my Google spreadsheet open. But um, I'll be back yeah next Friday night with a guest and probably an episode of Fuck This Week covering the political movements on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Uh, and I'll catch up with you all then. Thanks very much. Bye bye. <laughs>